Welcome to our week three edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host, writer and editor, recording once again from the home office in Minster, Ohio. But more importantly, once again, checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, we have our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. Happy to be back. Heard you missed me last week. Yes, last week's episode was greatly devoid of research. <laughs> I think it might have had about the same amount as this one will, but um, less impromptu Googling, I'm sure. Well, that's the kind of research I meant. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> a thank you once again to Mr. Tyler Stevie, who filled in admirably last week. But as always, it's good to have Rebecca back. Always happy to be here. And also, have you noticed a little jaunt in my step there, Rebecca? A little happiness in my voice? You're generally a pretty joyful person, so I can't say there's much of a difference. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, we are one week into the Vuelta a España, and there's an American in the lead at this moment. Ooh, that's exciting. Durango, Colorado's own Sepp Kuss is leading the race. The first American to lead a Grand Tour in a decade. Oh, nice. And only the third American to lead the Vuelta ever. I like not even of... not even win, just have the have the what is it, the Mayo Jean? The uh whatever that would be in Spanish except red. It's pink. Something rojo. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just have the leader spot at any point in the Vuelta? That is correct. Wow. One of them, I believe, was some sprinter on, like, stage one or two or something. The most famous was Mr. Chris Horner, who won the race in 2013. And he was almost 42 years old at the time, the oldest rider ever to win a Grand Tour. And, of course, next year he couldn't get a contract, if anyone, because he was obviously too old to be any good anymore. Of course. <laughs> now, this is interesting. You said it's a red jersey. Didn't it used to be pink? That's the Tour of Italy this year. Uh, oh, my goodness. Now, the Vuelta used to be a a golden jersey, which was just a very bright yellow. But they switched it a few years ago. Gotcha. I am a poor cycling fan indeed if I can't keep these jerseys straight. <laughs> oh, by the way, unfortunately, it's possible by the time this podcast drops that Mr. Kuss will no longer be in the lead. There is a time trial on Tuesday morning. Not his specialty. He has about a two-minute lead, but he's a uh, very much a mountain climber, not a time trialist. It'll be interesting to see if he can suddenly learn how to now that he's in the lead and has some reason <laughs> yeah, to do well. A little bit of motivation. Yes. So anyway, we shall see. If he can just stay close enough, maybe he can even grab that lead back again sometime. Camiseta Roja. There we go. I have no idea what the first part you said was, but I recognize the Roja. Camiseta? Camiseta. It's what Google says Jersey translates to. So that must mean Jersey is a feminine noun in Spanish. You could right? also go with suéter, but that's more of a sweater. Yeah, it's not that. <laughs> but yes, it would be feminine. By the way, part of the excitement this week when when American Sepkus won a stage and took the lead, he took the magnum of champagne that they give to you. And instead of spraying it all over the crowd, he held it up and chugged it for 12 seconds straight. <laughs> that, that's a good American boy right there. 
being a uh, weighing about 140 pounds of about two percent body wet, fat yes. and being dehydrated, I imagine he probably had a hangover the next day. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's from Colorado, so that tracks. Yes, it is. <laughs> Although these days he lives in Andorra and has a Spanish wife that lives whose family lives in uh, Valencia, something like that. So mm, that's fun. He doesn't come back to the U.S. very often anymore. I would imagine not. And if you are at all interested on this, it is available on the Peacock app. All, oh of, boy. Ohio, all of you Ohio State fans better get used to it. There's an Ohio State game there in a few weeks. Oh, I need to check out um, the Challenger series for figure skating starts this weekend, I believe. So I need to see if that's on the Peacock app. It probably should be. That's the uh, step below the Grand Prix. And by the way, we are out of practice here. Rebecca, of course, is in Cincinnati, home of the 1-0 Cincinnati Bearcats. Correct. We had a very good game this weekend. Nice victory over Eastern Kentucky. It's something like 66 to 13, something like that. Something like that. Next week, they travel to Pittsburgh. Much bigger chest. But anyway, we've stalled long enough. It's time to get back to high school football. This week, we start using Drew Pasteur's Fantastic 50 website to project which teams are guaranteed to be playoff bound and those who will not be playing in the postseason. We already have teams that we can predict guaranteed? Absolutely. Wow. Rebecca, who obviously never listened to last week's podcast. I did not. <laughs> Does not know that there were teams already so last week, but we made the executive decision not to trust it after only two weeks of the season and to yeah. wait till after week three. By the way, when we say this, this does not mean the team is in if they lose the rest of their games. It means the computer says there's a 99% or better chance that that team will win enough games to finish in the top 16 in their region. The computer says there is no way they're losing the rest of their games. Can't mm -hmm. happen. Similarly, 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 similar. That's a hard word. Likewise. <laughs> similarly. For teams we call out of the playoffs, the computer just says there's a 99% chance or better they will not win enough games to reach the top 16. It does not say that if they won out, they would not make it. It says they're not going to win out. Just for your reference. But first, of course, we have our... Scores of the Week! Scores of the Week! I have four of them this week. We're bumping up. I only had like two or three last week. We're going to start with Columbus West 55, Millersport 0. Ooh. Now, besides being a 55-point win, Columbus West had the state's longest active losing streak at 34 games before this. That's a heck of a way to snap it. Yeah, their first victory since 2018 for the Cowboys, and it's a 55-point victory. Now, for those who listened last week, some team, and I forget who already. <laughs> oh, boy. Van Lu, perhaps, <laughs> beat Millersport last week to break their long losing streak. So a tough year for Millersport, it sounds like. For our second score, we're moving on to a different kind of streak. We had Perry 24, Kirtland 6. Kirtland had a 57-game regular season winning streak going before this game. 
And that is the longest regular season streak in the state, except for Cincinnati-Wyoming streak of 70 wins right now. For those of us here in West Central Ohio, may be interested to know the coach of Perry, a former assistant coach at Marion Local. (laughs) Yeah. And from what I've heard, actually liked as a teacher there also. Oh, good. Yes. You never know. Our third score of the week, Salina 17, Van Wert 14. Okay. Uh, Van Wert, one of three teams that have dominated the WBL the last five years. Van Wert, Wapakoneta, and St. Mary's. We have a changing of the guard perhaps this year. Van Wert had a 20-game home winning streak going into the game. They had averaged 55 points a game coming into this. Oh, yeah, that's a real change of pace. There had only been 10 points scored in the first three quarters of this game and then 21 points in the fourth quarter. And in quite unusual, Salina actually had three more turnovers than Van Wert. Not many times you win a good, close game against a tough opponent when you have three more turnovers than the other team. Yeah, that's not frequent there. Good move for Salina, by the way. Salina now leading the WBL, which makes it kind of interesting that Versailles shut them out in week one. Just how good is that for sales team? Uh-huh. Yeah, no kidding. We'll talk about them later. And finally, this score is also for Rebecca since she didn't listen last week. <laughs> You're darn right. I was busy and I apologize. How did the inspection of that aircraft engine go anyway, Rebecca? I think I'm not going to talk about that on a public uh, forum. The question is, did you get it done in time for your meeting the next day? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure did. So successful work last week instead of the podcast, huh? Yeah. Turns out it was two I had thought I had to do. And I got a text in the morning that said, hey, your data is ready. Also, there's two more we did that we also need in the next three hours. So do four of them, please. So I was stressed out. (laughs) Well, that can happen sometimes. By eight o'clock, I felt like I didn't need to do any more work for the day. Well, that's always nice. Which, thankfully, with my job, as long as there's no meetings I'm missing, I can just stop. It's (laughs) nice. (laughs) Well, anyway, our final score of the week is Patrick Henry 40, Columbus Grove 28. And we are highlighting this because last week we mentioned the reason we didn't say who had guaranteed a playoff spot yet was because we weren't exactly sure. Drew Pasteur's computer had Columbus Grove in the playoffs with a one-on-one record. Mm. We wondered out loud if the computer would change its electronic mind or heart if Columbus Grove lost that game. Columbus Grove did lose the game, and the computer did change its mind. Columbus Grove is no longer considered to be playoff bound at this point. (laughs) So we thought last week might have been just a touch too early, and it was. Now, to clarify. It's not not playoff bound. It's just not locked into playoff bound. Correct. Okay. The computer wants Columbus Grove to win more than one game now before saying they're definitely in the playoffs. That makes sense. And trust me, they will. And mm-hmm. they will be in the playoffs, but not officially just yet. <laughs> With the scores done, it's time to move into our individual regions here, Rebecca. Ready to go. We will start. Division One, Region Two again. Finley, they rose five spots by defeating two and one Sylvania Southview. Drew Pasteur says the Trojans are now in the postseason. 
So. Sure. Great. Nice. First of many we will highlight here today. Moving on to Division Two, Region Eight. We follow four teams here. Number seven, Troy, at three and zero. They were our only winner of those four teams in this region last week. Troy and number twelve, Lima Senior, both playoff bound already. And speaking of Lima Senior, the Spartans are favored in their last seven regular season games. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that'll do it. Not always by a lot, but you figure if you're favored in all seven, they should probably pick up many wins, you would think. Yeah. And by the way, down at number 16, Pickwood, 0-3. Not a normal start for Pickwell. Oh, that's tough. Okay, Division Three, we have two regions we'll whip through pretty quick. In Region 10, we have Defiance is undefeated. And number seven, there are 16 teams who are two and one or better in this region. So gotcha. Defiance is not exactly running away with the playoff spot yet. They have a game against two on one Van Wert this week. That's probably their toughest remaining test for the season. Although I'm watching out for when they play Salina in week nine yet, but Defiance also looking to be at top of the WBL. I expect them to make the playoffs and for us to proclaim it in a few weeks here. Over in Region 11, we have Bell Fountain. They bounced back from their loss to Coldwater last week to defeat Licking Heights. Licking Heights. Licking Heights. Bell Fountain is now number seven. They are favored in six of their last seven games, and they are also playoff bound because of that. All right. Sounds good. And finally, Region 12 in Division 3. We follow a few more teams here. We'll start with number three, Elida. They're something of an interesting case. They are heavily favored to get win number four against winless Ottawa Glandorf this week. Then they play the top six teams in the WBL the six weeks after that. The Fantastic 50 website has them losing four of those games. And the other two, they think, are about 50-50 type games. So it's possible Elida might not see another win after this week. But says if they only end up with four wins, they're not going to go to the playoffs. So they better find a way to win one of those six games, if not two of them. Interesting. Uh, okay. We'll watch Elida next week. They play Lima Bath. Probably the most winnable of the batch. Could be the most important game of their season. At number six, Tip City Tippecanoe. Favored to win the rest of their games. Oh, look out. They play 3-0 Troy next week, so it's only a slight favorite in that game. Not yet playoff bound is Tippecanoe. Same with number seven, Salina. They were our big mover this week. They rose 10 positions after upsetting Van Wert. They are favored in their next five games, but then they end the season against Defiance and Wapakoneta. Those will be tough games. But Salina, I think, will probably be will probably have locked up their playoff game before they reach those final two tough games of the season. At number 21, we have Wapakoneta. One and two, one spot above all the winless teams in the region. Tough start for the Redskins, but they are favored in their final seven games. So I have a feeling that ranking might rise weekly as we go along. Yeah, they'll probably do pretty okay. Yeah, they still have to play Van Wert and Salina, and I'm not convinced they win those games yet, but they are slightly favored. And on the uh, negative sign at number 22, 0-3 Greenville, our first team that we list as out of playoff contention. Mm, okay. So 
the Fantastic 50 computer thinks they will only win one game and they will lose all of the rest except for one of them by three touchdowns or more. Oh, that's painful to look at. Yeah, it is. That Their schedule is not nice the rest of the way. And it says they need to win four of those games somehow to make the playoffs. <laughs> oh, so no. It doesn't feel likely. Yeah, they're going to have a challenge in front of them. Next, we'll look at Division Four, Region 14. We have Van Wert at number four, but I want to look at Lima Bath, ranked number 10. Sure. They were the only winner of the six teams we follow in this region last week. Oh. They play what is expected to be their two closest games of the season in the next two weeks. At 1-2 and two Kenton this week, and they host 3-0 and Elida next week. So how good or how bad their season is probably come down to the next two weeks. At number 19, we have Ben Logan, another team currently out of playoff contention. They are projected to lose big the rest of the season. So here's hoping the computers maybe are just a little bit wrong. and Ben Logan get a little a little joyful victory somewhere in there, don't you think? Yeah, it's nice from the outside to have a bit of foreknowledge because of the statistics. But boy, it feels bad from the inside. Yeah, you, you hope the players aren't looking at that sort of thing. But yeah. But Mr. Tyler Stevie, we had on last week, played football for the first two years in high school before moving on to the golf team and working on the videos at the game. And he said, oh, yeah, we look at that stuff. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I would want them to as players and people involved in the sport, but it just seems kind of uh, like, what do you mean we're going to lose by three touchdowns? We'll show that computer, right? Yeah, I hope that's the mentality they're coming out of it with. Yep, let's hope so. Moving on to Region 16 in Division 4. We follow three teams there. One of them, number nine, Urbana, took care of number 22, Bethel, this week. Bethel is now out of playoff contention. This week, Urbana has the chance to do the same thing to number 22, Graham. (laughs) Then we'll only have to worry about one team in that region for the rest of the year, I guess. Yeah, probably. Doesn't Urbana know we're following the other two teams as well? Like them to do okay. Yeah, doesn't Urbana care about this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> they should. They really should. Speaking of which, since I still don't know how many people listen. <laughs> We're very bad at checking the stats on our own podcast. Well, I would do it, except I don't know how. <laughs> but apparently, many of Tyler Stevie's teachers did comment on it the next day. So apparently. The Minster staff does. Apparently the Minster staff listens, yes. Or the, one of the coaches does and told the rest of staff in the in the lunchroom that morning. Now don't go pop in my bubble there, but you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Division 5, Region 18. I'm, we're going to start with number 5, Liberty Center. They are playoff bound, while number 2, Coldwater, who actually has quite a bit more points than they do, is not playoff bound yet. Huh, interesting. I'm guessing they've got a a rough schedule coming up. Yes, that's because after this week's tough game against Archbold, Liberty Center Tigers are very, very heavily favored in the rest of their games on the season. I mean, not even close. Running clocks, we're talking. (laughs) The computer is not as confident in Coldwater's ability to survive against undefeated Marion Local and undefeated Versailles in the last two weeks of the season. By the way, Drew Pasteur's computer... Ranks for sales as far and away the best team in Division 6, and Marion Local as far and away the best team in Division 7. 
Yeah, that's not a surprise. <laughs> also of note, at number 15, Liberty Benton, and number 16, Indian Lake, right on the borderline there. They both won last week to get into the top 16. Liberty Benton has a tough game against 2-1 Port Clinton this week, and then is a heavy favorite in four of their next five games. Indian Lake has a little tougher road to travel. They are being favored in only three of their final seven games. And we'll see after another week or two whether that's enough to get them into the playoffs or not. It's a little gray right now, a little tough to tell. Moving down to Region 20, we only follow two teams there. I think last week I said something about, oh, Milton Union will get into the playoffs, no problem. Miami East going to have some struggles. Well, Miami East is now ranked number nine. <laughs> They earned a big two-point win over Springfield Northwestern last week, but they are going to need to find four more wins the rest of the way. The Fantastic 50 website projects just three wins for them, so they're going to need an upset somewhere. This week against Northridge or next week against Sydney Lehman looks like their best two shots for such an upset. Milton Union still looks like they'll win a plenty. They still look like they'll be fine. Okay. We shall see. We shall see. Now, getting into our more heavily populated divisions here. Let's do it. Division 6, Region 22. Number 2, Bluffton. They have punched their playoff ticket. Although, you know, as I'll mention later, they don't really have paper tickets in the playoffs anymore. They do it all on phones. So, you know, if you yeah, punch do, that ticket, it could kind of hurt your phone, I guess. I do wonder when the analogy is going to run out of um, steam <laughs> with the younger generations. <laughs> But anyway, Bluffton, heavily favored to win their next six games. And then they have a big Week 10 showdown against Columbus Grove. Number 11, Paulding, and number 7, Van Buren. The only other two winners of the one, two, three, four, five, nine teams we follow in this region. Paulding likely needs four more wins, but they are only favored in three games. Again, a team that needs one upset. Van Buren is only going to need three more wins to make the playoffs, but they are only favored in their Week 10 game against Oregon Cardinal Stritch. They need a couple of upsets to go their way. Of the teams who lost last week, number 13, Columbus Grove, number 19, Tenora, number 21, Wayne Trace, all expected to get back on the winning track this week. Probably not so likely for number 19, Hicksville, and number 23, Sherwood Fairview. Tougher games for those two teams. And heading down to the south. West corner of Division 6. Ooh, I see another change in statistics here. Yes, Some we have color a... coding. <laughs> I got to cap my color coding or else I can't keep things straight. Yeah. Number two for sales is purple. Woo! That means not only are they in the playoffs, they have earned the right or will be will earn the right to host their opening game. As you all remember, hosting your opening playoff game means you have to finish in the top eight in the computer standings. Now, for Versailles, the average score of their three wins is 34 to nothing. Oh, oh no. They play New Bremen this week. I expect the streak of shutouts to end. Not necessarily the winning streak to end, but the struggle. No. But I think New Bremen will get on the board. It appears for Versailles, their week six game against Marion Local, their only real challenge left, except maybe that game against Coldwater in week eight, or week nine, excuse me. Also playoff bound in this region after wins this week are number three, West Liberty Salem, number four, Tri-Village, and number seven, Anna. 
only 23 teams in this region. A lot easier to get in the top 16 already. All right. All right. Our big mover this week was number 10, Arcanum. They rose five spots after a six to nothing win over Mississippi Valley. High defense game. Yes. Arcanum, though, they are not favored to win again until the last two weeks of the season. But they only need two more wins to reach the playoffs. That could be quite the tense season for their fans if they wait until those last two weeks to try to get those two wins, huh? Yeah, no kidding. So a nice upset along the way, lock up their playoff spot would be much better for the locals, I would think. Yeah, they better be hoping those teams they've already beat are are doing Mm. well also. That's for sure. We always love those second-level points here on the podcast. We do love those second-level points. By the way, number 12, Parkway. They could likely make the playoffs with just one more win, just two wins on the season. Hey, you know why, Rebecca? They just beat a team the other week that's going to bring them a lot of second-level points. Hey, nice. (laughs) And that would be Pioneer North Central, by the way. Parkway plays St. Henry this week. After that, their chance for wins in the MAC might be pretty rare. With Fort Recovery in Week 9 is maybe their best hope for gaining a win. So a very important game for Parkway this week against St. Henry. And finally, number 13, Troy Christian. Number 18, Triad. Both have good chances to get some desperately needed wins this week. Two more teams that aren't going to see too many more wins this season, if I had to guess. And on to Division 7. Oh, boy. I left the little W's on there to tell you who won last week <laughs> in this one. I took it yeah, out in the others, and I was thinking afterwards, you know, I should have left them there. I like that. Every week, it surprises me how many people were following in this division. In Region 26, it is. You want to do the count? One, two, three, four. <laughs> 21? 21. Of the 33? Yes. <laughs> West Central Ohio is loaded with small Division Seven schools. <laughs> Let's see if we can summarize it real quick. Or it's maybe 20. Even... It's 20. It's only 20. Anyway, okay. But still. We had a miss. <laughs> well, we might as well start with the team in purple. Number Ooh. one, Macomb. Cured their playoff spot and a home game in the playoffs this week. Supposedly their toughest remaining game is in week 10 against Liberty Benton when they are only a 25-point favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. There shouldn't be a lot of drama around McComb's playoff spot. No, I would think not. Uh, number two, Patrick Henry. Number three, Lipsick. Number four, Antwerp. Also won last week, as did number seven, Waynesfield Goshen. The first three did not, but Waynesfield has also secured their spot in the postseason. That's because the Tigers' toughest remaining opponent appears to be Marion Elgin in Week 7. Waynesfield is favored to conquer them by 17 points, and that's supposed to be their toughest matchup the rest of the way. Let's see. Other winners this week include number 9, Ada. Number 10, Convoy Crestview. Number 15, Hardin Northern. And number 24, Lima Perry. However, none of these teams are projected to make the playoffs, except maybe Hardin Northern, who's expected to finish exactly in 16th place. So all four of those teams could use one more upset win somewhere along the way. On the negative side of last week, number 14, Delphi St. John's. Number 18, Lima Central Catholic. And number 19, Pandora Gilboa all dropped eight positions with losses last week. 
Those teams, however, are all expected to still contend for playoff spots, probably as long as they don't lose any games that the computer says they are supposed to win. Finally, on the really negative side, it appears number 20 Van Lu and number 29 Delphus Jefferson have very little chance at the postseason as neither team is favored to win another game this year. And moving south to Region 28, not 20 teams here, only about 12, 13, something like that. 13, I believe. Yeah. Of course, there's only 23 teams in this region, so that's still over half. Our final purple team, number one, Marion Local. I have in my notes they can start printing playoff tickets, but of course, there are no <laughs> printed playoff tickets, so you know, forget that. Really? That's cool. At least I don't think so. They went to all digital last year, but then the legislature passed something that says that schools have to accept cash. I don't know if that counts for playoff games or only regular season games. I don't know. Interesting. I haven't attended a high school football game in a while. Yes. Usually the concession stands still take cash, by the way. I would think so. But from what I'm told, not in all places. Huh. How do you do you let your kids run around with a card? I guess that's <laughs> that was the first thing that came up when that was mentioned. Someone said, what, you instead of giving the kids two bucks, you give the kids a credit card instead? Oh, there I was so uncomfortable with that. Two, there was some school in Cincinnati. I forget which one. They put in a, a new policy where kids aren't allowed to roam free at the games. They have to stay with their parents, which oh, I'm boy. Sure is going to really boost attendance. At oh, games. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kings Island just put that in, but I understand that there. (laughs) I'm wondering if some of the bigger schools have like swipe ID cards that people can load up cash on that would work. Yeah. I guess you could always have a small debit card too. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It feels weird. Yes, it does. Where were we? Oh, yes. Marion Local is doing very well. They're doing very well. We're all waiting that big week six game against for sales, as we mentioned earlier. Number two, Ansonia, number seven, DeGraff Riverside, and number eight, Mechanicsburg, all earned playoff spots with wins last week. Ansonia moved up five positions after beating two and one Dixie. I look back on the notes, and last week we even mentioned, watch out for Ansonia to move up a lot if they can beat Dixie. Hey, there you go. Sometimes our commentary is accurate. Yes, we actually got something right. Woo-hoo. Woo! <laughs> Other winners last week included number nine, New Bremen, number 10, Sydney Lehman, number 12, Bradford, and number 16, Fort Larmy. Uh, none of those teams are expected to have any real trouble making the postseason, except maybe Bradford. If you remember, Bradford only played one game last year. Right. The computer says they need to defeat 2-1 and one Bridgeport this week, and that would pretty much put them in playoff spot. The good news for Bradford is that they are favored by two touchdowns. And the even better news is that Bridgeport faces over three and a half hours on a bus to get there. Oh. And that's if the bus goes as fast as a car. And I don't know oh, about that. No. <laughs> I do not envy that ride over, and I really do not envy that ride home. No. Somebody better feed those people very well before they get back on that bus. Let's see. At number 10, Minster. Good first half against Marion Local. Bad second half against Marion Local. I was watching that come in. I was like, oh, we're tied. That's pretty good. Maybe we've got a shot. And no. And then it all went south. Then really no. 
The Wildcats are likely playoff bound already, not officially yet. But number 13, St. Henry, faces a big game against 1-2 and two Parkway this week. We mentioned that earlier, talking about Parkway. A win, and there's an 84% chance that St. Henry will make the playoffs. A loss, and their odds drop to 46%. So big game for both St. Henry and Parkway this week. At number 17, we have Fort Recovery, who has not won a game yet. So two, one thing that's intriguing, they've not won a game, and they're only one spot out of the playoffs. Huh. As only 16 teams have a win in that region so far. There's a lot of teams that are only one spot out of the playoffs. That is true. Everyone, right? Yeah. Drew Pasteur's computer says Fort Recovery needs two, maybe even probably more likely three wins to make the playoffs. Three wins for a winless Fort Recovery team in the MAC. Mm. Seems like a challenge. Yep. If they want to get there, they I think they better either defeat Minster this week or Delphi St. John's next week. Then maybe they got a shot to find. Maybe they got. Maybe they have a shot to find two wins the rest of the season <laughs> after that. And again, no one's out of contention yet. The advantage of only having 23 teams in the region. Very true. And finally, eight-man football. Still not fully into swing yet. Only three of the six teams played last week. Uh, our only winner was Holgate, currently ranked number one. They defeated winless Britain Deerfield out of Michigan. Number two, Toledo Christian. Number three, Stryker, both lost to Michigan schools. The other three teams did not play last week. This coming week, four of the teams play league games. So we'll start to get a more of an idea who's going to be the top of the Ohio eight-man football conference here. Toledo Christian. They get to take on a Michigan school, Sebring McKinley. They're taking a week off from long bus rides over to face teams in Northwestern Ohio. Yeah. And that pretty much wraps up week three, Rebecca. All right. Seems pretty good so far. I thought so. Yeah. After next week, many of the obvious playoff teams will have clinched their postseason bursts. We'll have a better idea of which teams are going to be fighting for those few final spots come weeks at nine and 10. All right. And who knows, we might even have some more cycling and figure skating commentary tacked on the next week's podcast. What do you think? I think probably not likely the figure skating. I just looked it up and I have to get a paid feed to watch it. I might just peek at the results. That sounds like a good cheap Northwest Central Ohio way of doing things. Also, I don't think anyone I know is in it. So anyone I know yet. Yet. There you go. So is there anything you'd like to uh, tell our listeners as we wrap up the podcast, Rebecca? I have no fun news for the podcast, but I will do my darndest to be here in the future unless you are clamoring for more guest hosts, in which case I will gracefully bow out. If you have any suggestions for that or comments on previous material or questions, you can, of course, send those by email to bdmonin at nktelco.net. Or submit them on X, the app formerly known as Twitter. What a title <laughs> to uh, at Bruce Monin, as long as that's still valid. And of course, subscribe and like and leave a comment. And I hear if you leave enough comments, you could get on some sort of rating board. Really? On the app stores. Maybe we I think that might only that might only apply in the first couple weeks of it being on air. Oh, but okay. it's what I hear podcasters say sometimes. 
They say, hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. We don't have a like button, I don't think. Maybe we do. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, anyway, if you found this somehow not on a streamer or if some one of your friends showed it to you, you can also find this podcast on the Apple iTunes Store, Amazon Music, or iHeartRadio. All you've got to do is search for Bruce Monin's Computer Points. There's not a lot of Bruce Monin's making podcasts, so very easy to find. No, as I mentioned last week, usually about halfway through the name Monin, that's the only thing that comes up as an option. So, yeah, it must be our brilliance in naming it thus. I think <clears throat> it's more um, the fact that the Monin name didn't really leave West Central Ohio to do anything major in the public eye. Well, it's a good thing we're fixing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Oh. It was great to have Rebecca back here. No offense to Tyler Stevie, last week's co-host. And hopefully she will return again next week here on Bruce Bonin's Computer Voice. Why would Tyler be offended? <laughs> what did well, you do to the poor kid? Well, if we seem to be too happy you're back, that would seem that, that could be <laughs> offensive. <laughs> I'm sure we'd love to have him again.